You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my guests and I tell our most embarrassing, funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host. And today I have Cheryl Marks back with me. You guys remember Cheryl from a very recent episode. She was an amazing guest, and I was like, hang on. We have to have you back. I cannot not hear the rest of this stuff, but we had run out of time. Cheryl is a voracious lifelong reader, a lover of food and dinner parties, an intermittently enthusiastic home chef with an inability to follow a recipe without tweaking, and a chronic reorganizer of her home furnishings. She loves bringing people together in small groups to gather, share stories, and witness laughter-induced rigors and tears. She's a mother of two sons and one daughter a wife and partner of One Great Man, and a physician specializing in perioperative medicine and anesthesiology. Cheryl, thank you so much for coming back today. Joanne, thank you for having me back. It was so fun to be on the podcast, and so many of the folks that listened to it really loved your podcast, so I hope you got lots more followers. Yeah, it's definitely in a growth phase, and that is absolutely thanks to you in part. So fun. Wow, I'm so happy to hear it. Well, I think everybody deserves a good laugh and normalization of the general weirdness of life. And I I so appreciate that that is your your mission. I think that's the mission. (laughs) Absolutely. So fun. I want everybody to have a laugh and to look left and right. And instead of thinking I can't live up, think, yes, these are my brothers and sisters. We are. (laughs) I see see your crazy flag. I have one Uh too. Yes, I fly it. Here it is. (laughs) (laughs) That reminded me years ago, um, I signed up for this listserv that was in Seattle called Green Lake Moms. And Green Lake is sort of like the bigger area that I live in, I think even before I had a baby. And you know, people would post all these questions, you could buy and sell on it, but a lot of like, where do I go for this? And so I was really into Green Lake Moms. And at some point, it was before we wanted to plunk down, you know, a few thousand dollars to put an alarm system in our house. And and while generally at that point, Seattle felt pretty safe, it felt feels increasingly maybe not as safe anymore. But I still was, you know, a young woman living in a kind of old creaky home and my husband was working quite frequently at night. So he'd, you know, be there overnight or in the evenings. And, and so I'd be home by myself and all the old noises of an old house can be jarring. And so I thought to myself, I need some form of personal protection. And so I posted on Green Lake Moms, a question about what forms of personal protection would be most appropriate for like somebody in my situation, looking for recommendations maybe a taser. That was my (laughs) subject line. And so I got a whole bunch of, you know, sort of like, hey, if you're not taser initiated, you might want to start with something less potentially electrocuting. And how about a foghorn or whatever, all these sort of funny (laughs) things back and forth. But one one of Heath's colleagues, my husband's colleagues was also on Green Lake Moms and had approached him and was like, hey, your your wife is like looking to buy a taser. Is everything okay? <laughs> She's weapon shopping. <laughs> right. And he was like, why a taser? And I was like, I don't know. It's not a gun, but it's something. And he's like, also, if you're going to fly your crazy flag, like, could you fly it less publicly? These are like people I work with. <laughs> Or at least warn me first that it's on its way up. Julie noted. (laughs) That's so adorable. Well, I have to tell you, speaking of tasers, that I used to run half marathons and I ran this relay every year, the RTO. I don't know if you've heard of it. The Reno Tahoe Odyssey. You go from Reno up and around Tahoe down to Carson and back to Reno and you have a 12 person team and you run three legs each and it's just massive. Actually, now I'm thinking, was it 12 person or six person? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Is it there were two six sixes? Per car yeah, that's cars. right. Yeah, that exactly. sounds like Ragnar. I don't do Ragnar, yeah. but I'm familiar. Yeah. 
Well, I did it three times. And the first time I did it, I didn't have an in the dark leg. The second time I did it, I no, I think both. No, I did. I had my my second in the dark leg was just a lot scarier because it was up and around Tahoe. And I was like at risk for being hit by a car and attacked by a bear. <laughs> that sounds so fun, Joanne. Tell me more. Oh, oh yeah. Like, <laughs> why doesn't everybody do this? I, I <laughs> 24 hours in a stinky van with six, five other people with their running shoes. And <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> my husband got me a taser, at, yeah. like a legit taser, like a distance <laughs> taser, not even an up close taser. Why well, I had to take this <laughs> online class and it was like, so serious. It was heavy though. Of course it was sparkly pink, which made me feel a little better about it, but it's a little bit like a toy that can hurt somebody. Yeah. Yeah. One of the funny things I thought about it was if you use, it's like a one-time use taser. If you Uh actually use it, all this confetti with the taser serial numbers flies out of the taser. I was like, I want to see that so bad. That sounds so festive (laughs) slash terrifying. (laughs) I never did use the taser, but I had to carry it on my dark legs and yeah. I was like, darn, darn this taser. It's so freaking heavy. I'm never exhausted. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's that so what did you end up buying any type of personal- I got a foghorn. Yeah. You really did get a I did. Yeah. I was like, you know, I mean honestly in Seattle we live pretty cheek to jowl so with close. our neighbors. Yeah. And so I just figured that would alert, you know, years ago I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, oh my God, Hirsch, my older son is like sick, you know, or he has croup or something. And he, my husband was like, no, man, that's Joey. That was our neighbor in the house next door. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh okay. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, wow, we can really hear bedroom to bedroom. The like, neighbor's yeah. just in from a rough night of drinking. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Okay. We have a couple of rapid fire questions we didn't get to last time. Let's do okay, it. Okay. What was your very first job? My real first paying job was as a lifeguard. Man, I was a good lifeguard. Honestly, I was like super conscientious. We wore black bathing suits, so we didn't get to do flashy red. (laughs) Dang it. And we had our buoys and we could only use our whistle if it was like really a true emergency. And we were in a really busy city pool. I'd get there at five in the morning or whatever team was there. The senior lifeguard at the time was like either in college or maybe didn't go to college. I forget. It was somebody I'd gone to high school with, Dave. I'll just call him Dave. And he would open up and then I would help open up and then I would do lessons like super early in the morning. It was like 630 in the morning and it was cold, right? It was Northern California, the Bay Area, Mm -hmm. windy, even in the summertime. For the early morning lessons, it was older kids. So I'd be outside of the pool wearing a parka and the, the child was in the pool. She was seven or eight. And she could swim. She was in the Olympic pool and it was like four feet there. And the mother was standing next to me and she just really had a moment where she felt like the daughter wasn't doing well. And actually now as a mother, you know, maybe that's true, but I didn't see that as as the lifeguard. And it was a one-on-one lesson too. So my eyes were on her, but the mother actually gave me not a gentle nudge and I fell into the pool. She pushed me into the pool in my parka, parka. but also I was wearing my contact lenses. And so I get in, you know, I sort of take the girl. I obviously ended the lesson at that point and I finished up with them and I went in and I said to Dave, the senior lifeguard, I said, Oh my God, I lost my contact lens in the pool. And then I paused and I was like, do you think I should try and find it? This is the Olympic sized pool. And he literally looked up from whatever he's doing. He goes, Oh God, are you stoned also? <laughs> also. Oh my like God. he was like waking and baking and going to work because it was just such a ludicrous question to be like, <laughs> should I look for a clear piece of plastic that is three millimeters in width? 
But I was just so stumbled by the idea of like proceeding with my day with only one contact lens. You know, I didn't have a, an emergency backup plan for that. You're like, thing. I am the lifeguard. I must be able to see. I know. I was like, I guess I'm going home getting my glasses. So that was my first job. It was actually a great job. I learned CPR. I guarded. And then we also, you know, cleaned the bathrooms and cleaned up puke and all the other bodily Gosh. secretions that happened at pools. So it was a good job for, you know, my 16 and 17 year old self. And, you know, we had a swim 500 every day. So I was like, kind of in the best oh, really? shape I've ever been in. Yeah, they made you because, oh, you know, you had to know how to swim. You know? So I know that they test at the beginning, but that makes so much sense that they would force you to keep up with your skills, at least to some extent. Yes, for sure. Because a lot of kids, by the time they start lifeguarding, they're done with swim team. And I know. Just yeah. Lifeguarding. The test was hard. You had to tread water in the deep end holding a 10 pound brick. Oh my and, gosh. Like I had a good friend, Shelly. She was like 5'10", and she had these long legs. And for her, it just looked like the little whizzing beaters you use to, like, bake. She just, like, <laughs> and I'm 5'2 and a half on a good day, you know. And I, I mean, I With three-inch long I was, legs. <laughs> totally. I was, like, Kidding. holding this brick. Only the brick and my nose were above the waterline, and the rest, the rest of me was like, You're like, I will save this under- brick's life. You watch me. I may die doing it. <laughs> totally. I was like, I want this job and I need to pass it. And they were, you know, oh my God, one minute. And I was kind of like, I can breathe, and the brick is out of the water. Whatever. <laughs> they were nice. They looked away on that one. <laughs> They're like, She is tiny. <laughs> This is not a fair test. It's like on Survivor where they make the apparatus to your own proportions, right? It should have been like that. I know. It's like... Your book should have been a little bit smaller. <laughs> a little bit smaller. My legs should have been a little bit longer. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not sure how to fix that part, but yes. Yeah. Flippers. I could have worn flippers. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. What TV show are you hooked on or has been your favorite binge watch? Well, you know what I'm watching right now is Only Murders in the Building. And it's so good. It's on Hulu. It is Steve Martin, Martin Short, Tina Fey, Selena Gomez, Jane, or not Jane Curtin, the woman from Glee and a million other things, Coach on Glee. It feels a little bit like a Wes Anderson movie, but with like a murder mystery, like cottage murder mystery. So not a lot of gore. Yeah, I was curious, like who done it? I did feel like I sort of figured it out by episode six, but Mm. just super good. And I haven't finished it yet, even though I know who did it and I'm going to finish it. I really like that. And then I was a newcomer to The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. I just heard about that this weekend. I had no idea that existed. You know, I got Apple TV because I was the last person on earth to watch Ted Lasso. Actually, maybe you also, since you just found out about The Morning Show. No, it's on my Christmas list. I'm like, Scott, I want Apple TV just to watch Ted Lasso. And he's like, not going to happen, sister. And I'm like, you just watch. I'll ask my parents for it. I, not to not to break hard news to you, but it, it is four dollars a month. So you know, just <laughs> that, that's not why it's not going to happen. I'm not sure why, but he's he's the tech savvy one in our family, and he has oh, an Android. <laughs> you can just put it on your phone. There you go. Yeah. So I binge watched the morning show, and I am on season two right now. But I I so appreciate those two leading ladies. I took this line from that show, which was. Uh, you know, I'm a female in a fairly male dominated profession in anesthesia. And then also Mm -hmm. just as I have dabbled in administrative roles in the past, you know, always with an eye on diversity, equity and inclusion, 
it's been a journey and sometimes an exhausting one. And certainly sometimes like women are not nice to each other either because there's this perception that there's a finite number of seats at the table. And we all know that the majority percentage is not going to go to women and others. And so the line in the show that I loved, and I'm not blowing this for anybody, was they said something along the lines of the patriarchy is not the shark. The patriarchy is the water. And I I had to pause the, the show and I was like, oh, yeah. I see that. Love that show. Oh, that's something to chew on. It was. Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to watch that too. Please. On a much more superficial note, yeah. I really like Reese Witherspoon's clothing line. I don't have anything by it because I'm too cheap to pay that much for any particular piece of clothing that I don't think will fit me. Totally. But I do have a Land's End tankini that Reese Witherspoon and Land's End cooperated on. And it is so freaking cute, super supportive, but also flattering, you guys. I'm going to link to it because I love it. I I mean, (laughs) of course, they're not sponsoring me or anything. I'm just (laughs) just being helpful. We have a hot tub. Yeah. So I wear a swimsuit quite frequently because of the hot tub. Scott and I have our coffee in the hot tub whenever we get the chance to in the mornings. Oh, that's a nice idea. Like morning hot tub. We started doing that. We call it hot tub coffee. We miss it so bad in the summer. Yeah. Anyway, Anyway, Reese Witherspoon is just an amazing, amazing person with so many facets. And yeah. I'm sure Jennifer Aniston is too, although I don't know as much about her. Yeah. I love what Reese has sort of done and has launched her empire with a focus on reading and bringing novels and fiction mm-hmm. into people's lives. And actually, so she sponsored quite a few different books, including Cheryl yep. Strayed's books. I don't know if you've ever read Cheryl Strayed's book, Wild, which oh, yeah. became a movie, which Reese Witherspoon starred in. That's right. But she also has another book, Tiny Beautiful Things, which I have to say is one of my favorite gift books and also one of my favorite books of all times. It's just this beautiful book. And so many things come back to me about that on a regular basis. It's, it's a bunch of letters that she collected and responded to. And then she put them in book form. Just an incredibly insightful human. The things that come out of her mouth, I'm like, Wow, I wish she was my neighbor. I'd have, you know, I, know. Well, I wouldn't have hot tub We'd, coffee with her because that's for my husband. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. We'd be best friends. I'd have a glass of wine with her every evening. Yes, exactly. I know. I got on the Reese Witherspoon things. I was just saying to one of my friends last night, Julie's husband, in fact, John, he was showing me this passage in a book that he had read that just sort of like made him just stop and, you know, have a moment of awareness or that existential brain expansion. I had one of those when I was reading Celeste Ng's book, which is called Little Fires Everywhere, which mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon sponsored as a limited series. And I haven't watched that yet, but I, I love the book. And Brene Brown interviewed Celeste Ng, and she was talking about this, that, and the other thing. And that the, the quote that came up for me in that book, it was about being a mother and how difficult parenthood is. And, and especially if they start to kind of separate from you a bit. I have a four-year-old, so I'm like deep in like the connected phase. And then I also have 10 and 12 or almost 11, 13. And they, mm. they start to drift from you a bit in their own autonomous, beautiful ways. But what the quote in the book said was, being a mother at that stage of life is like wanting just that crisp taste, that first bite of an apple and having to be satisfied with just the scent of the fruit itself. You know, oh, <laughs> like they're, oh. they're separate from you. They're not, they're not part of your body anymore. You just get a, a glimpse of them here and there. Yeah, that hits hard right now with two 18-year-olds and a 16-year-old. I bet. Okay, if you had 24 hours in your home alone with no pressing to-dos, what would you do? Oh my God. I, I'm looking at my bookshelves right now, just the ones that happen to be next to my bed. And there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve unread books. Mm. And I, I feel that I'm going to read them all. I mean, it's maybe delusional, <laughs> but at some yes. point, 
you know, and they're all across the spectrum of things. And so I think what I would love to do is just sit and kind of read my books. And like you said, drink a hot cup of something, especially in the fall, you know, Mm -hmm. little cozy blanket. So that is what I would do. Well, as you know, the point of this conversation is to remind the people that even though from the outside, we may look at times like we have it all together, we sure don't. So lay (laughs) on us a couple more of your not so fancy moments. All right. Well, we did get to Hawaii in March, like between the I've lost count of the surges of COVID, but I think Mm -hmm. we're just considered to be in our fourth surge. So March felt like a reasonably safe month to get on a plane. We were vaccinated and in Hawaii, uh, we went to the Big Island. Everybody had to have a negative PCR, mm, and you were swabbed right. when you landed in the airport. So you had a negative PCR, and then you had a rapid test. So oh, wow. and they, they, their numbers were low. So we decided to go, and um, we stayed at a couple different places. But ultimately, at, like one of my favorite hotels in the Big Island, which is the Westin, just beautiful access to the beach there and this sweet little pool. And we still have like one child naps, so my daughter is still you know intermittently napping. Somebody would take her and she'd be in the hotel room. So I was with my boys who are 10 and 12 at the pool. We had bought a football to play with in the water and they love, they play football and they love football. And so they're like dogs, right? So they just like want you to throw the ball to them, want you to throw the ball to them. So I was like, all right, they finally got me up out of my seat. I was reading The Vanishing Half, which was a beautiful book. And so I got up and I'm throwing the football. I'm not super athletic, but I actually did play softball as a kid. Not well, but I did learn how to throw. I can throw a ball. I really can. I can throw a ball. I have a decent arm. Nice. And I can also throw a football being married to a prior college football player. So I'm at the poolside and I'm throwing the ball to my boys and I felt some eyes on me and I thought, yeah, you know, I am a mother, you know, in my mid forties of two boys. And that's right. I can throw a football and you are, you are seeing this in action. And I, you know, I am a specimen here, like a middle-aged woman who can throw the football, you know, and I I felt like they, they, that, that was seen. And I felt seen for that skill set that I obviously have. And so, you know, I was in my bathing suit, um, but maybe, yeah, in my bathing suit, but you know, it was a chill sort of like beachy environment. Like it wasn't superstar bathing suit people or anything. My husband comes down with my daughter, who, of course, like immediately has to go to the bathroom. And so we're walking towards the bathroom. And my husband says to me, I feel like your bathing suit, which was a one piece, is it is it inside out? (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's just like the seams look like perhaps they're inside out. And I looked down. I'm like, oh, yeah, they are. It's inside out. And then he has like this panicky look on his face. And he goes... Is that one of those bathing suits where the tan part of the crotch is like there, you know, like where the crotch has like the no. tan insert? It was like this great teal bathing suit. It was like super ugly fabric tan liner, liner crap. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I mean, I'm not clear on that. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case or not. And I'm like standing in the middle of this bar. And of course, I like hustle into the bathroom with my daughter and it wasn't, it had, it had a much more subtle crotch situation oh, um, for the, the, the bathing suit, but I did turn it back inside. Out. I just thought, Oh my God, here I am thinking the folks are, you know, really admiring 
this like middle-aged woman's ability to throw the football. But meanwhile, they're like, this girl's got her suit inside out and her shit is not together <laughs> at all. I love it. I don't care about that red football that she's throwing. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh. Didn't even get dressed in the dark. Full light. <laughs> the sun comes up early in Hawaii. So. She walks back out of the bathroom. You are uh, welcome. I You're know. so welcome. Right. Yeah. Now you can feel like you've got one up on someone. I know. <laughs> someone who's definitely got some skills in life. <laughs> I know. I don't usually yeah. get too bad out of shape about those things. Mostly what was funny was my husband because, you know, as a woman, like, there's just, there's so much, like, there's just no dignity in being a woman yeah, and yeah. trying We're to be that. beautiful till you're dead. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's just like, there's no level of perfection that can ever be achieved that's going to be okay for society as a whole. So you just sort of get used to failure. But for him, like, the idea that there's some open reference to, like, the perineal area, you know, in public, which is, like, too much, you know? Like, we're okay. <laughs> yeah, I oh even shaved gosh. this morning, so it's so not that embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got had that going for you. That was good. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, the tankini that I have is actually shorts. It's not, I don't even wear a bathing suit bottom anymore. It's I know. shorts, guys. It's, it's like, like yeah. why are we relegated to that silhouette? I disagree yeah, with I that bathing suit bottom silhouette. A hundred percent. And I, I also like, it's like, no, thanks. I don't need that. I'll, I'd rather go back to the costumes that they used to use. You know, we're just like down to the ankles. I'm like, great. That works. It's SPF. And Why do you guys get to leave something to the imagination. And we don't I know. Well, you know, I was thinking, Jan, when you were talking about your run, not the mm-hmm. Ragnar, but similar. I, again, I don't do Ragnar, but one of my really good friends, Edie, does. And she has just completed yet, like, her, I don't know, probably 20th Ragnar this oh, past weekend wow. in New Hampshire or somewhere about there. And she was saying to me, I just was so, you know, she's also mid-40s. I was just so tired. I mean, I just, I, like, I vomited. And, but, I mean, of course, she just still ran, like, the midnight leg or whatever. And I was uh-huh. like, God, the things we do to ourselves. But... My other story um, is around that because, of course, as you know, I I am a hospital-based physician, so I still take a lot of – not a lot, but I still take calls. So I'm still up all night multiple times a month. And I I certainly take less call than my younger and sturdier colleagues do, but I (laughs) take my fair share for my level of life right now. And, you know, you're just in the middle of the night. I mean, I remember the nurses when I was a resident. I was sitting with them once in the middle of the night. We were talking about all the funny calls because, you know, they have to call the residents in the middle of the night to Mm -hmm. report this or that. And they're like, God, the things like sometimes they call me mom. Sometimes they say, I love you. (laughs) You're just like, you're partially awake. So I do try when I'm on call overnight, I I try not to sleep at all. You know, I just, it's just too disruptive. You know, you you just be present and as best as possible. I mean, the, the, the amount of white rage that I experienced getting woken up at two in the morning, you know, there's no, like, there's no vessel for it. Yeah. It's just not worth it. And it's nobody's (laughs) fault, right? You, you, my, one of my partners used to say, it's nobody's fault. You know, it's nobody's fault that, so I don't even, (laughs) I don't even sleep, but I was on call um, a couple months ago and, you know, we're like, as you know, year two of COVID here and the hospital has really strict, you know, you've got to be masked at all times. Uh, You know, there was never a drop in the mask mandate for us. So Mm mask, and then in in my world, we also cover our hair. So you're wearing 
these bonnets and you, you have to wear the hospital issued bonnet. So everybody kind of looks, you know, like they're masked and bonneted. And so I was, I was working all day um, with one of my young colleagues who I think started just during COVID. And then we had, we had kind of a tough case together that I was helping with. And then I went home. I wasn't an in-house call person. And I got called back in to help on the obstetrical floor, placing epidurals. And, and just as it turned out, those two were done before I was done with what I was called in to help with. So I was sort of the last person standing. And at this point, it was like four in the morning. And, you know, to go back home and get called back in is just like <sighs> a heartbreaking work of staggering stupidity. So I was like, I'm not gonna do that. So I decided that I was going to sleep at the hospital. And I knew there'd be an extra call room for me because we usually have residents, but they don't work on the weekends in that arena. And so I badged into the call room to just like take a load off. And there was somebody in the call room. And you know, it's very disarming when that happens. It's it's very jarring because you know you're 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 going into this dark room and like a figure arises from the bed. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Totally. You know, because as the person in the call room when somebody walks in on you, you don't know who's coming for you. You don't know if it's intentional or accidental or whatever. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I like I'm slam the door and I start to back away. And I was just like, who's in the call room? You know, like, cause I knew there was no resident or whatever. And so mm-hmm. I backed away, start to make another plan, think about where I could, you know, sleep. And there was a third call room, but it is far away. It is cold in there. There is like pink duct tape that is on the ceiling to try and cover the vent. I don't know what's Ew. happening in Ew. there. It, it's not good. And it's super loud. It's right near the ICU. And so it's just like Ugh. constant slamming doors, whatever. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll go to the seventh floor. And so then the person that I had just wandered in on opens the door and there stands a young man with no mask on because of course he had been sleeping. And I was like, <laughs> God, maybe I got it wrong. Like maybe we do have a resident here tonight. <laughs> and so I said, I, I turned around and I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I said, I'm, I'm Cheryl Marks. I'm one of the anesthesiologists. I'm really sorry that I woke you up. I just thought there were no residents here tonight, but you know, I guess you're here. And he was like, no, Cheryl, it's me, Grant. <laughs> and it was my young partner who I'd been pretty much working with all day <laughs> and had been working in our group for well over a year that I had just introduced myself to at four o'clock in the morning after having cases with them that day. And at that point, I was like, I don't even know how to like pedal out of this one. And I just said, <laughs> I am s- sorry. I don't know if I've ever even seen you with both a mask, no mask and no hat. Uh-huh. And I said, your I think it's so naked. It's you're unfamiliar to me. Okay? Like, I don't know your face yet. It's been a long two years. And and then I was just sort of like, wow, I, I've woken you up. I have introduced myself to you. I think it's time for me to go to bed now. I'm going to find a place to lay my head and then I'm going to clear this hospital as soon as I can once that seven o'clock bell hits. So oh that was not my proudest moment, honestly. I was really oh like, do, gosh, I, I love it. do I further apologize or I just let it lie? Honestly? Yeah, do I just back up, slink away? And I know. Yeah. There was, I, this never happened. I was like, well, Sorry. <laughs> no. He was probably just like, oh, whatever. I'm just going back to sleep. You know? I know. <laughs> but he was in the awkward spot of having to remind me of who he was and that we had worked together. You know? <laughs> You're He's, like, you know me well. Like, I you know. know all, like, all my kids' names. <laughs> He's just like, this old lady needs to retire. <laughs> she needs to sleep. <laughs> You're not at oh, your best, unslept. Well, you just aren't. No, you aren't. In the middle yeah. of the night and you're searching for somewhere to lay your head. And yeah. yeah, 
You or know, for it, your pink glittery taser. You might not have remembered yeah. how to use that thing, like running in the middle of the night. Like the confetti comes out and you're like, where did I, what did I shoot? What happened? <laughs> I went off half cocked. <laughs> well, one time when I was in college, when I had decided to go to medical school, but hadn't gone yet, yeah, I scrubbed into one of my dad's cases just to see. And he, he didn't recognize me. So oh that, my God. that makes you feel better. That's too funny. His own flesh and blood. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, I guess my daughter didn't make it. And I'm like, Dad, I'm right here. <laughs> By the way, you're not the only one telling that story. Like years later, like the resident or the nurses are like, remember when uh, Dr. <laughs> Jarrett said, you know, that, you know like, didn't identify his own daughter. <laughs> Oh, uh, actually, he's, he's looking for a six-year-old in an Easter dress and <laughs> standing there like a full-grown adult in a in know, scrubbed like, in. It just didn't occur to me. God, I remember being in the operating room as an anesthesia resident. <laughs> this is a terrible story, but it was actually good. Like the neurosurgeon name will remain unstated, but uh, it was just sort of this big burly guy and he, he was you know he was sort of an intimidating factor they're scary my they dad's be. not scary but yeah a lot of them are scary yeah I mean you know listen it's it's high stakes job and yep. you know you're 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 treated as such and so you end up feeling as such but anyway this guy was had a loud voice and um, a big personality and the pathology resident comes in and says you know is looking for the specimen right so he has he has resected the tumor he's passing along the specimen to the pathology resident and he kind of, you know, and you're all masked and stuff. And so he sort of loudly mumbles, whatever it was. And so she said, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Can you repeat yourself? And that he didn't like. And he was somebody, I mean, he might have been hard of hearing himself, actually, because mm. um, he would always make us turn our monitors down. There was always like a tension around our monitors being noisy and disrupting his work. So he oh. turns to her and he says, what are you deaf or something? And she <sighs> said, <clears throat> Yeah, I am actually. I had meningitis as a kid. Would you mind speaking up and repeating yourself? <gasps> oh! And the whole room went silent. Like, like we were just like, and what's going to happen next? Like, pass me the popcorn. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> I know it was. <laughs> and so to his credit, I mean, he didn't apologize, but he did say, you know, this is a 46-year-old man who had a glioblastoma. <laughs> he repeated the whole thing slowly and loudly. And she just went, Thanks, loudly and clearly. took the specimen and walked on out. And I was uh-huh. like, man, that woman is going to go far in life. Like, she just uh-huh. nailed it. Yeah. Um, wow. Not apologizing for herself. I love it. Nope. Yep. I am deaf. Oh you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> Did I tell you about the neurosurgeon in Alaska who wore a helmet whenever he drove anywhere? <laughs> it just cracked me up. <laughs> me glee it's been i've been laughing about that for decades that's funny as hell i mean it's totally sensical right like your worldview is informed by what you do every day right those are your reference points and that Uh that guy was just like there's no i am getting in a car without a helmet that's right and there aren't any other surgeons around You can't be called in on your own case. No. It, oh, my. That's so true. He's also like, there's a dearth of options for Eric. Oh, oh God. Uh, that oh, is too funny. So good. <laughs> my husband's a PDR doc, as I've said, and our house is okay. But for a long time, there just were like gates and mesh. We still have the mesh window coverings everywhere. 
And and to be fair, my daughter's four, so she's still at risk. But I was like, mm-hmm. I wonder at what age I'm going to be able to take these unsightly things <laughs> off my windows. You know? <laughs> like, when does it happen? Like, <laughs> you want to put a sign in the front yard. Not that we're going to help you with your kid's sore throat, but a right. pediatrician lives here. Please <laughs> I, understand. <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, my God. I know. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, exactly. We just we have our quirks, man. It's based on our life experience. What yeah. can we say? You have your reference points. <laughs> In a way, I'm grateful for that. Last week, I this isn't like my most noteworthy or smart decision, but I was titrating up my own medication. Uh-huh. I'm on a statin because I have like weirdly high cholesterol, even though I exercise every day and eat, eat a lot of kale. But I've always had high cholesterol and I wasn't able to medicate for that for a long time because it's teratogenic. So I, I had to finish having babies and that was a late life thing for me. So so I just restarted it. And as much as I am very tolerant of emotional and mental and psychological pain, I am like physically a little bit of a fragile flower and I just don't <laughs> tolerate meds well at all. And so I was really reluctant to start the statins because they have some side effects like myositis, muscle cramps, whatever. So I'd started one, I had calf cramps and it impeded my workout. Also, it is uncomfortable. And so I'd stopped and I restarted it and I was sort of doing okay with the other type of statin plus a supplement that the cardiologist had recommended. And so, you know, just being that gold star seeking student, I was like, well, you know, if 10 works, I'm going to go to 20, you know? So I just like (laughs) titrated up because I really wanted to get my cholesterol down to the goal level. And I had like essentially full body myositis along with like peripheral neuropathy and was like tingling like spiders all over my body. Oh, that's awful. It was. But, you know, I didn't put the two events together because they were a little bit like separated in time. The self-up titration and then this weird feeling of like full body neuropathy, paresthesia tingling. And I just thought to myself, okay, I have been waiting for this for as long as I can remember. (laughs) I finally have MS. I mean, I really thought that this is what it was because my reference point is always people who come in <laughs> my whole life yes. is people who come in with Worst medical problems. Scenario. Yeah, totally. Yes. So I was just like on the horn <laughs> looking for a neurologist. Shoot. And then I had told, you know, obviously I work with so many smart physicians and my friends. And so when my friend said, did you start any new meds or anything like that? And I was like, no, yes, I did. Did the dose change? And I was like, no. Yeah, actually, I doubled it. (laughs) She was like, oh, like, so something did change in your life. And so yes, I I did stop taking the medication. I have to figure out a plan for that. But you know, when your reference point is always like really grim, yes, it really does sort of direct your thought process. But then a lot of times you can just sort of shake it off. It works the other direction too. Very true. I mean, my contractor was in my house years ago, and the pipe burst and there was like water everywhere. And he was just like so angsty about it. And, and he was like, thank you so much for understanding. And I was like, oh, I mean, it's not blood. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's fixable. So nobody's life is at risk. That's here. right. Just We're relax. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think those reference points can be really funny, like wearing the helmet and can lead you in to a dark place, but also can help reframe like, you know, we're okay. <laughs> it's, yes, it's fine. Yes. It's a bad haircut. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> time to talk about life hacks. Do you have a life hack for the listeners? Years ago, I was reading something about how you just you wake up and you put your workout clothes on and it just made so much sense to me. And this is before like athleisure wear was a big deal, you know, but you just yeah. wake up and you put the workout clothes on before you 
even like think about what your plan was going to be. And it just really took before you have negotiations with yourself. (laughs) There's no contract to engage in. It was just like, I just get up. I put my, I mean, on the days that I'm not at work, you know, I just put my workout clothes on. And that way, when I decide to get the workout done, there's just like one less obstacle in the way. Mm -hmm. That's one life hack. The other life hack I'll tell you, which is so stupid, but also so good is that the little shower curtain things that go in the shower to hang the shower curtain have like the double hooks on it. I don't know why they have two hooks, but they do. Maybe if you want to hang the shower curtain on the inside or outside, but those are good for the closet. And so I hang those in my kids' closets <gasps> and then they put all their sweatshirts on top of that. And also it works oh. for husbands too and their belts and their messiness. So <gasps> instead of like- do You just hang stuff along the bar. On a hook instead of, yes, yeah. And so, you know, you're just always wondering like, why can they not use the goddamn hanger that is there? Uh And they just aren't going to. No one's going to use a hanger. You've got to get over the idea that the 10-year-old boy is going to be like, let me pick up the sweatshirt and put it on a hanger. Anything that requires both hands is not not going to happen. Yeah. And so (laughs) I just started putting these like little shower hooks all over the house and anywhere there was a bar in the front, in the foyer, in my closet. And then the sweatshirts, the belts, all the other crap, the robes, they just go on the shower hook. I'm going to use that for the clothes my husband puts on the floor of his closet because he's like, I've worn these, but I can wear them again. (laughs) Yes. It's the second day clothes. Oh, I know. I know about that. (laughs) Those, Those are the ones that end up in the washing machine. And my husband goes, have you, have you seen the clothes I left out for tomorrow? And I was like, I have, Oops. I have seen them. <laughs> yeah. They're in the wash. They're Just, soaking wet in the washing machine. I'm so totally, sorry. Totally. I know. They're with, they're with the day old towels. Those are my two life hacks. Yeah. I have no more advice for anybody now. You've taken it all. You've given all you have. <laughs> I don't have any more good ideas. I have a Peloton, which yeah. I use woefully infrequently, but I am in a doctor Peloton group, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. Pel- right. yeah. It's fun. And so many of them talk about like, how am I going to make myself do this? And you gotta so get many your clothes of them on actually, in the morning. <laughs> they sleep in their workout yep. clothes. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. I just can't. Like, right. I'm, I'm perimenopausal. I cannot sleep in, sweat, in workout clothes. I know. It's sweat, too sweaty. But, but well, yeah, putting them on right when you get up is a good compromise. You were talking about the bikini silhouette. And I've also decided <laughs> that unless you're like really doing like a hit workout, sports bras are 100% overrated. And also so are regular bras with their wire. And, you know, it's like corsets with whalebone. Like one day we'll look back yes. and be like, you wore wire under your breast? That's soft tissue there. Heck, anyway, so I've switched over to the little Amazon bralettes. By the way, I am a well-endowed short woman and my boobs are racing each other to get to my navel. So it's not like a good <laughs> fashion. I mean, if you're, if you're going for like the look, it's a good feel. Better it's just than a, a good, good look. feel. And also I've decided that I get to decide there are things I care about and there are mm-hmm, things that mm-hmm. I don't. And so I just can't be with the regular bras anymore. And also the sports bras, like if I'm riding the bike, I don't need like a huge amount of support. And so I just like get up, I have my little bra that I've slept in and it just doubles as a, you know, as a workout situation too. Yeah. You don't need a lot going there. You know, you're not doing Uh jumping jacks on your bike. No, you are. You're not doing burpees. You're not doing, you know, sprints. You're sitting. Can I tell you one other funny story about Please. SoulCycle? So this was prior to pandemic. One of the people in my world was very into SoulCycle and I went with her a few times. It's a damn difficult workout, but it, this was before I was really on my own bike. And so the <laughs> the SoulCycle world, it's dark in there. They use like a red flashlight, which I don't even understand because it doesn't really reveal anything different than just in the dark. But you got to get into oh. the bike 
you got to clip your feet into the pedals that you got, uh-huh. you, know, you got your biking shoes on in the dark, which to the uninitiated, it's like half the battle, by the way. I you're was like, hearing the these sounds and you're like, what am I hearing? Like, this isn't I know. helping me know what right. to do. Right. So, you know, because if you don't know the clip on the pedal, you know, or it's clipless really, um, matches to like a particular part, like right under the sole of the foot on the bike. And so you just, it, it's just motor memory, right? If you've done it a thousand times, you don't even think about it. But if you've done it once or twice before, you're like, how do I get my feet onto this pedal? I, I mean, you know, so anyway, the girl has to come over at Soul Cycle and like, help me get my shoes into the pedal. So I'm already like, I don't have a gold star at this point. I have We're like, not I'm not a star. Start. No, I've got zero <laughs> out of five going. And this is a very initiated class. So everybody knows what to do. Like you always feel like you're the only one in the world that has never been to a soul cycle class when you're at a soul cycle class. So I finally get my feet into the pedals. The music is at 1000 decibel, by the way. So I say to my person that I'm with, Hey, I can't hear the instructor. I don't, she goes, just follow the girl in front of you. And I thought, well, what about the girl behind me? You know, like she got the <laughs> end of the stick here. I don't have a clue what's happening because it's like it's on beat and you're in the thing. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god, this poor person. You're like, wasted- let me just turn around and apologize. I am so sorry about what's about to happen. It's like a thirty dollars class. <laughs> I was like, don't watch me, okay? I'm not your person. Find a I different. I need to move to the back of the class. <laughs> Find a different focal point. Get me on clip. <laughs> I know, but I couldn't because. There's no way I was going to be able to be clipped. Plus, they tell you what bike. You don't get to choose in there. You got to sign up for this. No, 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 no. You sign up for bike, like, bike 10. So I was, I was it's like, um, a, it's like an airplane seat. Too close. Yeah, it is. Oh my God, for sure. People have their favorite bikes. So it's, it's dark. Okay. It's pitch black, dark. The music's at 1000. The, the instructor's on the podium. So I'm, I can kind of see her. Um, I believe there might've been candles around, but I can't imagine there was right. really like open fire in there, but whatever happened. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm pedaling along and I'm, you know, I feel like I'm a little bit going, you know, my hearing has dropped a little bit over the years, partially because I'm just getting older and partially because I work in a place where like white noise is like constant, like the operating room Mm -hmm. is very loud. So the person I'm with about, about halfway through the class, what happens is, is (laughs) the door opens and it gets cooler in, in the room. And I was like, this is a nice little breeze. And there's a little light that comes in and there's like a couple people that come, they look like they're like marching in. And I, again, I'm uninitiated. So I just think to myself, this is just normal. There's like boot camp coming or whatever. And <laughs> the person I'm with reaches over and taps me on the shoulder and I can't hear, but like the context clue is like, she's asking me, is everything good? So I turn to her and I say, I'm good. Thanks. And she literally gets off her bike and shouts in my ear, they need a doctor. <laughs> So, so I was like, oh, okay. I, I don't even know what's happening. Like, I'm in the same room as her. Wow. And somehow she understood that they needed a doctor. And I'm like busy <laughs> spinning along. And I was like, oh, for God. It's still dark in there, by the way. They didn't turn the lights on. I was like, how could they need a doctor if they didn't turn the lights on? And so. How do they know? Right. So I go to unclip myself. But of course, I cannot get my shoes out of the clip. And so I take my feet out of the shoes and I kind of like run to the front of the room or wherever was the front of the room. And this woman had another woman, not in bike 10 with me, but maybe bike 52. So far away has, you know, has not been feeling well. And in fact, she, I think she had fainted or whatever. And so they kind of have her on, on the ground. But by the way, the class has not stopped. There's still cycling and the lights are still 
down. <laughs> what right? happened to hitting a knee when there's a man down? No. Come yeah. on, people. So they take they take her out, and I go out with them. You know, there's a guy there. He's like, oh, I know CPR, and I was like, good for you. Move aside, please. You know, we don't need CPR yet. But could you call the paramedics? <laughs> she was fine. She had a syncopal episode, and you know, you're working hard in there. It's it's hot and mm-hmm, sweaty, mm-hmm. and and you're really biking fast and stuff. And so that and actually the paramedics came quick, like within a few minutes, and they must have been close by. And and I stayed until I saw vitals on her and she was okay. And she was like awake at that point. And so we get back in there and I just like slipped my feet back into the shoes, which are like still connected to the bike, you know? And, and they're still riding. And I was like, okay, you know, we just like don't worry about it, guys. Yeah. Don't, don't. Yeah, she's good. Yeah. <laughs> continue. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. My lesson to myself was like, I really need to learn how to work these shoes on this bike a little bit better. <laughs> Be able to nimbly respond to emergencies while oh being my in a, gosh. a spinning class. But that anyway. is my worst fear when I'm on an airplane that they're going to be like, we need a doctor. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to hide under my seat. (laughs) I know. I am not your best Um, bet at this point. I have been retired for 20 years. I've intermittently responded to these. Like every doctor looks around to see if somebody else is going to raise their Uh hand, you know. I'm a gastroenterologist. I know. Any internist here? Well, that's what happens. An ER doc per se. There's, you know, there's Uh. like four people that might respond or nobody, you know, and and it's like Uh. Rochambeau, like what kind of doctor are you? And like three Uh sit down and one remains. What do you bring into the table? Yeah, totally. But years ago, we were on a flight. It was my girlfriend and I were going to actually a a conference for anesthesia in Hawaii. And there was a, you know, they called for a doctor on the plane and we rang our bells and they came over. It was actually a female flight attendant. And she just said, oh, girls, thanks so much. We don't need any nurses. Like we found a doctor. And we were like, oh, okay. Yeah, I know. And then the doctor came ambling back. And so we stopped him and said, Hey, is everything okay? He goes, yeah, it's fine. And he goes, I mean, but I'm an ophthalmologist. So I actually don't really. Their eyeballs are in place. That's mm-hmm. all I can tell you. I know. Wow. It was, it was funny. Oh, Cheryl, you're so much fun. Thank you again for spending some time with me. Thank you, Joanne. Oh, so fun. I do love what you're doing. I think it's so sweet. And so needed, especially in the world right now. So I love that you're giving a forum for people just to come and say like, hey, I live a weird life too. Oh my gosh, you guys, Cheryl Marks does not disappoint. And I, I told her at the end of our interview, I, I think we need a third episode. There's still three stories that we haven't done. And so I'm going to give her a little bit of a break, but you guys are probably going to hear from her again next season. So fun. Make sure to check out the show notes at fancyfreepodcast.com slash episode 132 so that you can see all of the links that we discussed today. And also make sure you head over to Shelfie Shop. That's S-H-E-L-F-I-E-S-H-O-P-P-E.com to buy the world's best pajamas. And if you use the code FANCYFREE, you'll get free shipping. Click the follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening to this episode to get new episodes each week. It's free, and that way you won't miss out on any future hilarity. If you have a story to tell and you'd like to be included in listener stories, email me at notfancy at fancyfreepodcast.com. And if you want more connection, laughter, and sharing, join the Fancy Free Facebook group. It's our own little private slice of the internet, and we share a lot of stuff over there. So fun. The question of the week this week is, have you ever had a swimsuit-related wardrobe malfunction? 
Have a wonderful week and remember, no one is as fancy as they look. <laughs>